Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is a podcast from BBC Studios, the commercial subsidiary of the BBC. Hello and welcome back to season two of the TalentWorks podcast. If you haven't listened to us before, TalentWorks is a production company within BBC Studios and it's aimed at identifying forward-thinking talent with whom it can partner. The podcast is presented by Helen O'Donnell and me, Brona Monaghan. Thank you so much for listening and don't forget to subscribe. Emily Seal-Jones began acting professionally at 14. After graduating high school, she trained at drama school in London and then moved to New York to train at the Lee Strasberg Theatre and Film Institute. Her acting career spans TV, theatre and film, including BAFTA-nominated short film Ralph and the DTLA Film Festival winning web series Frankie and Emma. Emily is also a writer and director and worked on the short film Husk, which was nominated for Best Director and Best Actress at Underwire Film Festival and Best Short Film at Chicago International, Thunderdance and Beverly Hills Film Festivals. We chat to Emily about the role of being an actor, writer and director in her own projects and how she feels the internet has impacted the acting industry. Hope you enjoy. This episode contains strong language. Hey, Emily. Hi. Thanks for talking to us. <laughs> of course. Can you tell us a bit about you? A little bit about me. Um, I'm an actor, writer, director. I started out acting um, when I was at school and um, was going to this performing arts center on the weekends because my parents said that I couldn't leave and go full time. Um, And yeah, after school, I went to drama school and then I moved to New York and studied method acting at Lee Strasberg Theatre and Film Institute. Um, That was very intense. And then... And then, yeah, uh, started making films, basically. Sorry, how do you train in method acting? Oh, basically. As in, what's the, what's, what is it? Yeah, what personas have you had to take on? Oh, real. <laughs> so there's a popular misconception about method acting where you, um, basically, it's rooted in the idea of um, sense memory. So, uh sort of getting back to different senses that you can locate to an event or to a specific character um, that you think is appropriate for whatever you're doing at the time. Um, There's this thing called the relaxation exercise, which basically involves you getting all squishy on a chair. That's rude of me to to meet the method like that. (laughs) You just get really squishy on a chair. Um, And, and, um, and yeah, so then, and then you build the character from that. So actually, I guess, I, to be honest, everyone's like method acting, Daniel Day-Lewis. Yeah. But Daniel Day-Lewis is doing Daniel Day-Lewis. Like he, he goes off and becomes that. And that's, that's not actually what um, Lee Strasberg taught for method acting. So is there a little bit of muscle memory in yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah. So it's like a lot of the training that we did was you get to a point of relaxation and then you think of a place 
and it's it's basically just getting as far into that place that exists within your within your imagination but your body's reacting to it as if you are in it currently um person place thing all that kind of how did you feel that sort of the creative industry differed in new york from in london well i went to drama school for a year and then i left and um I didn't love my experience at drama school because I felt really like, firstly, pretty much every teacher was like, so just so you all know, you're going to go into this industry and you will never make any money. And that's a fact. And it's like, okay, cool. I get it. But also like, surely that's not 100% true. Um, And also because everyone's sort of leaving drama school to then go into the a small pool of like actors that are going to be going up against each other it felt quite competitive from the start of the course which for a creative environment isn't that jokes um whereas when I went to America it was literally the exact opposite of like that sort of corny but amazing American dream thing of like you can do it if you believe it you can do it which I love and and everyone was sort of like smushed together there were a lot of people from different countries and and there are a lot of people from America, but it was like, we were all in it together. Like the people that I was on that course with, I know today, like I love them. And um, I didn't feel that way at all about the people that I went to drama school with. Maybe <laughs> cut that out. <laughs> and let me list those people. <laughs> yeah, if you could just tell us each and every one and where they live, that'd be great. So you came back from New York. Yeah. And then what happened? And then... Um, I guess because I had sort of built up um, a network without really realising in America of filmmakers. Um, I had done three plays out there that I'd produced myself that I'd, uh, one of my teachers who was a director, I who I had a really good relationship, she came on board and she directed my three plays and I obviously put myself in it and we cast other people from um, the class that I was in. And... Um, and it was amazing. And all the people on the filmmaking course alongside our acting course, we did shorts with them. So we, basically I'd done a lot of work and without realising made this network of people and then left and came back to London and was like, oh, I don't really know anyone here who's doing what I'm doing. So in New York, I could go, cool, I'm going to put on a play at the Tank Theatre and I'm going to call these people and these people. And in London, I was like, I don't really know any theatres connections with anyone and I don't know other actors. Um, and so I called my mate, the one mate I've had from drama school, um, and s- met up with him and was like, do you want to do a play together? And, um, yeah, we put on a play for the Camden Fringe that was at the Gatehouse and then at the Rosemary Branch Theatre. And my game plan was just sort of like, I'm going to put on this play, get some acting, get some network stuff going on and then invite agents and get an agent here. Um, and yeah, I did. And I got an agent called Red Door, who I'm no longer with. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, it was good. And so, so we're, we're all together on a, on a retreat, um, a writer's retreat with BBC Writers Room. And one of the elements that we've discussed a lot is sort of the impact that the internet has had on, on talent. Um, how, has that been noticeable for you? Have you found that because you've come from an acting background and then you sort of moved into um, 
like we discovered you through a web series how how do you how, do you think the internet has had a positive impact on your industry in a discovery yeah. sense so i to be honest probably out of i don't know other people that have been here i haven't had so much of an interaction with mm. um the internet mm-hmm. <laughs> i don't interact with the internet <laughs> no um as as most people but like you're saying the the Frankie and Emma web series i was like so up until then everything that i'd done was never intended for online mm-hmm. and um you know like short film that i had made that was to put into film festivals so everything was kind of like the not the old way of doing it but the more mainstream way of doing things um and then with Frankie and Emma, it just ha- so happened that I got on a mad kick where I was like, I want to make this pilot. So did the Kickstarter, made it, and then was sort of like, oh, where do I take this? Because people want, production companies generally that I had spoken to were like, yeah, we really like elements of this, but we would sort of want to have some kind of input. And as I was giving them a completely finished product that they'd had no input on, it's not like they could then go, cool, we'll just put this up on x channel or whatever um so then i i literally did three days of pickups pickups where i shot flashbacks which meant that i didn't have to do like a red camera like a massive incredible camera we just used like an fs7 so it was really cheap did the flashback shots and then edited it into what is the web series so that i could then go okay cool i've made it i've learned a lot which in and of itself would have been great but I can actually put it somewhere to live so it hasn't fallen into the ground of nothingness. And that for me is kind of amazing. And like my my web series, it's not like been seen by tons and tons of people, but it's alive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's it lives. alive. It lives. <laughs> hey. Hey, you seemed upset. The van fell through. Can't you just get Jean to give you a lift in the Volvo? What? No, dude, I'm meant to be doing this independently. Man? You're doing this because you're 26. Just move out. Don't prove a point. Cool, but the point is I don't want that help. Why don't you want Jean's help with her rollers and her laptop and her yoga? Ah, don't be a dick. Tell us about Frankie and Emma. So what is the creative concept? So the concept was um, my mate Nancy and me, we've been friends since we were little. And we've always grown up being like, <laughs> we should film us talking. It's super funny. And... um. And it probably wasn't that funny. So Nance has been doing this show, The Play That Goes Wrong. And she um, had about three months in between. They have so many plays on at the moment. It's like confusing. But she had three months off. And I was like, if I write something, can we shoot something? She was super up for that. And it's really easy with us because we've known each other for so long. The chemistry is just there. Um, that was actually an extremely stressful shoot and I feel like the chemistry that everyone's like oh you guys it's really nice seeing you guys bounce off each other was literally our most low point in our friendship in that like she 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 was diagnosed with exhaustion at the time because she'd been doing the West End for so long I was kind of having a bit of a manic breakdown <laughs> and and then we would both sort of end up in uh, like in a car or in wherever the scene was and just be like, okay, cool, you ready to do your lines? Yeah, I'm ready to do my lines. And it was like, oh God. And then people afterwards were like, really like the chemistry between you guys. And I was like, man, our relationship must be so strong that through the worst possible points, we've still got that. So basically the concept was, it was kind of like, and I've told Nance this many times and she 
hasn't reciprocated her love for me but it's it was sort of like a love story to our friendship of like kind of having that person that is your insides but outside of you and you just are going to go through whatever with them whether that's good or bad and whether you're a good or bad influence on each other you're going to stick together kind of thing and we got compared to a lot of like broad city and things like that which is dope because I love broad city um but I guess it's more just like that that female friendship exploration and and my idea was just to be like, oh, what would it be like for these two, for us two characters heightened to um, get up to shenanigans? Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Is that a theme you write about a lot? No. No. But it's the first thing that I started writing about when I was in New York before I'd even decided to write anything or even thought of myself as being able to write. I had a month where I was like, had nothing really to do. And I wrote this pilot of basically growing up, this might be totally boring, but me and my brother, um, we're really close in age and he's like my best mate kind of thing. And he's got a group of guy friends because from when he was little and I've got my group of girlfriends. And um, so we've all grown up together. Like my parents would leave us for very long periods of time and go to different countries and stuff. And so everyone would come around to our house, like when we were 14. And so I feel like we've got this really unique friendship circle of like, it's not about meeting when we're all like trying to get off with each other type of thing. It's not like necessarily like sexual relationships. Mm. It's just like these platonic and and so the first thing that I wrote, which was really easy to write, was a comedy about our massive friendship group. And it was about like Nancy's character having her birthday and all of us needing to get the birthday together in one day because we'd all forgotten kind of thing. And it was just like, yeah, I think I find friendship and and female friendship really easy to get comedy out of because I have a, a real life group of friends that I find really amusing. Mm-hmm. And, and that's something you learned to do in school. Like, did, they, did you do writing courses in... No. No. How, how did you know how to do it? Um, well, I guess partly, partly I just did it. Um, when I was in New York, my boyfriend at the time was a, a writer-director. And so I had been acting in a lot of his shorts so I was reading a lot of his scripts Mm -hmm. and there was one short where he needed some ideas and we just sat down and I came up with some ideas and that kind of made me feel like oh that's actually not this 
crazy mystery of scariness that's actually quite easy simple to do and then yeah like I said the first thing that I wrote looking back on it there's like definitely bits of gold but it's also structurally like complete mess and there's so much fluff around in the dialogue like people are talking for pages and it's madness um (laughs) but like after doing that I then was like oh I'd really like to do a little course on writing because I love writing so I did um a rain dance course on comedy and then I I went to a, a seminar that um Guillermo Arriaga was doing about film writing and then I just sort of got into writing and then I just wrote and wrote and wrote and that kind of helped me you don't just write comedy you also write other genres yeah um tell us a bit about that so the first so the first drama that I wrote was a short film called Husk have you guys seen it no um (laughs) what's it about it's well it's about um it's about a girl who's getting over who's sort of stuck in a state of a catatonic state where she's unable to move past a trauma that had happened a year before and it's like her brother's suicide you you find out as the film goes on um and it's super sad it's not funny like at all um but I wanted to write that and so I did that and filmed that and it's done really like well it got bought by um little dot mm-hmm. and th- which was so lovely um so that was the first thing that I did that wasn't funny and then yeah so when you say it was bought by little dot did you create it and then sell it so I just wrote it because I needed to write it filmed it and then my agent was like I'm going to introduce you to little dot studios because they buy things like this so then it went on, I can't remember the name of the Tool Tales. And then it was recently on Reddit, which I found out because I was in LA doing meetings and I went to my mate's birthday party out there and her boyfriend was like, oh, I saw Husk on, on Reddit. And I was like, ah, oh. so that's a good thing that the internet did. <laughs> so exciting. See, I've, I've never been on Reddit. I've never, I've never used it as a resource. I didn't know yeah. what it was. Yeah. Yeah. But nice. But we, now we can find will. it there. Okay, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but so, um, but I, I mean, not it's it's not weird. Like we we've been talking a lot how co- comedy and tragedy are yeah. that close to each other. Yeah, I mean, a lot of the times in meetings because it's it's not just Husk. The first feature film that I wrote is is not a comedy. It's a thriller slash horror, and it's about um, sexual assault. And like, there's nothing funny in that. Uh, script at all and and I've had a lot of meetings since ha- writing that feature where it's like okay so so you're comedy and you're um and you're but your drama like what is it and it's like and the easiest thing to explain it is like well I feel like as a person I go between being like hugely happy and like fu- things are funny and seeing the world as this like hilarious thing and then just being like super sad about stuff and and I'm writing from me. So sometimes you'll get the funny and sometimes you'll get the sad. They're just my experiences of, of taking in the world and regurgitating it kind of thing, which seems very normal. And I yeah, don't want like to box myself in. Pigeonholed into yeah. one uh, genre. So do you have any um, talent that you can think of or piece of work that has particularly inspired you? Mm-hmm. Well, I remember 
so I guess since I started writing, I saw appropriate behavior. Have you guys, it's like, um, her name's Desiree Akfan and she has now most recently, she directed, um, the miseducation of Cameron Post. So, and, and she started out from doing a web series called the slope and her first feature was called appropriate behavior. And basically it's quite not similar because it's not in any way similar, but like, you know how tiny furniture, Lena Dunham's tiny furniture is very like Lena Dunham, like me, you know, it's not like huge things are happening. Um, and so both of those films I was inspired by because I was like, oh, okay, cool. So for your first film, you don't need to make this epic and, and get loads of money. Like I could probably shoot that on a tidy, tidy budget that I could probably raise myself and then have my first feature under my belt. So that was hugely inspirational. And also it kind of tied into the having your own voice thing. Like what, there's nothing, they're not doing anything different, those two women necessarily with those two films, but it's so specifically them and how they see the world. And it's interesting to me. Um, so definitely them. All that's left is your signature and we're good to go. Now you're officially a disciple of God's promise. Welcome. We're currently on a writer's retreat with BBC Writers Room. Is there anything over the past few days that's particularly stood out to you as a new thought or a learning? So a few things. Firstly, the um, improv workshop from doing acting. I did a lot of improv, like classes weekly at uh, school. But I think it was sort of like what we were saying earlier it's like if I have a class like 10 years ago or whatever and then I have that same class 10 years later and I've had 10 years worth of experience that class now to me opens and connects to so many things that I've learned and that pushes me to the next level of understanding if that makes sense Mm -hmm. so it's like improv back then was just about acting but the way that that class was structured and like how improv is and like the yes and and the being open to seeing where things go and working with other people is so poignant with regard to writing for me and with regard to the creative process because it's like you can be your own sort of problem when you think oh okay this is a good idea and then you're like no that's not going to go any further it's crap and you just move on and you sort of sidestep so you're never evolving whereas I feel like the kind of ethos of improv is where can we go this is so exciting where can we go and you don't just give up and you don't just shut people down you you go with it even if it goes somewhere weird that's okay and that that feeling of like it's cool to fail guys you know that's funny it's cool yeah, so it was it was someone from the Free Association that came in called Sean Lothian. And yeah, he was talking about big bricks being one on top of the other. So you only have to bring a small brick, but we're all going to create something together. Yeah, and that's, yeah, that applies so much to everything, like writing, directing, acting, the creative process, just everything. So that was something that was brilliant. And then also, I guess that... Um, I'm sorry, I've forgotten her name. The the woman who did the um, topical comedy. Ronnie Maguire. Where it's like, oh my God, you can, you can just, there's a, not a formula, but there's a, there's exercises, a formula that you can do to make sure that if you have a time frame of doing something, you're not going to come out with nothing. 
And actually, you're just giving your brain other options of routes to take. So all of that kind of thing was just amazing. And um, I mean, there were lots of other teachers. We've done a lot in a very small space of time. And I'm finding it hard to recall it all right now. <laughs> yeah, I think I think you're right. There has been a lot. Like Gronje's spoke a lot about um not trying to be too broad too quickly Mm -hmm. so if you're trying to do a joke about the royal baby let's just think about babies for a bit and think of everything that's interesting about a baby instead of having the overwhelming task of thinking about the royal baby as your starting point absolutely absolutely yeah it just opens everything up which i guess is the same sort of thing of learning about the improv is like just open things up just be open to everything because then you can find the little gold dust little gold and um to, for an earlier point that you made the permission to fail is interesting isn't it like yeah. allowing yourself to there's gifts in failure yeah which again like with my acting the sort of revelation I had recently was like you can just that when you put so much pressure on yourself to do something specifically perfect the way you imagine it you shut down so many options that could have been phenomenal. Um, and and yeah, so it really does apply. Having done everything, not everything, but writing, directing and acting, having done those three things, it um, is possibly the greatest lesson I've learned that's been solidified whilst being here that, you know, just clarifying like, oh yeah, that's really important. It's important to fail because failure doesn't mean what it means in like the real world of like you failed and you've lost that company 50,000 pounds it's like no you might feel like that's a failure but the audience might think that that's hilarious or like charming or whatever you know yeah I feel like on the first day when we were with Logan and it was about finding your funny and and it was it was really it's a bit nuts but everyone really really opened up and I mean we laughed a lot I sort of feel like because what you were saying earlier about when you went to New York and it's very sort of open and everyone's very welcoming and it's it, it feels like an exciting industry, whereas maybe in the UK it's a little bit more you need to do this and da 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 da. I just wonder, do you think do you think that's changed at all? Do you think that there's more that could be done in the UK to sort of inspire more younger people to be able to to think that you don't have to go into acting as a career, but actually the art of performing is so good for people's self-confidence and just kind of being able to open up to people. Yeah. Well, so twofold. Um, I bumped into a, a guy who was on my course at, at drum school in England and like two months ago, and he is a um, cycle teacher. What is that? Spin class teacher. Oh, yeah. And he loves it. And he was saying, we had this little very brief conversation about how like when we were at school, it was like, if you don't become an actor, you failed. Like, this is what you're here for. Everyone's going to do that. And he had to sort of adjust to the feeling of like, oh, I I haven't done that. But he was like, but I love spin class. And I'm sort of like not shouting, but like inspiring these people in front of a whole class. And there's so many elements of what he does that he got from training. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's like... I think I can't talk for drama schools all over London and I didn't stay long enough to know the whole experience of it. So I can't really speak for that. Um, but I think it's detrimental in a in a school environment where you're still very um, 
malleable and susceptible to implant the idea that you've picked this one thing and it looks like x y and z and if you don't do it as x y and z you failed um yeah so what is next for emily so next my intention is i would like to um make this feature film i'm working with a producer who's talking to film four so hopefully that will pan out and then I also, having done this four days, I really want to go back to a couple of the things that I'd wrote, like a pilot that I wrote when I first signed with my agent um, that he sort of used as a calling card, like what a lot of the writers were saying, that a few people had given me notes on and that at the time I was sort of like, yeah, but I want to do the next thing and just left it. So I, I'm going to go back to that and adjust it because I've learned a lot since then. Um, I want to make the feature and then sort of whatever comes up, I'm very excited, like, learning about podcasts and things like that. I'd l- I mean, I'm bursting with creativity, guys. <laughs> I'm bursting at the seams. <laughs> so just sort of, like, aside from those two things, like, what comes up. Experimenting. Yeah, experimenting. Brilliant. Yeah. Thanks so much for chatting to us, Emily. Of course. Thank you. Thanks for listening. If you want to find out more about us, we're on Instagram at BBC Studios Talentworks. This podcast is produced by Shola Alegje for BBC Studios. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc.